From the Internet Law and Policy Foundry, this is the Tech Policy Grind podcast. Every two weeks, we'll discuss recent developments and exciting topics in the technology and internet law and policy space. I'm Rima Musa, and I'm a member of the fourth cohort of Foundry Fellows. The Foundry is a collaborative organization for internet law and policy professionals who are passionate about disruptive innovation. In this episode, Foundry Fellow Joe Catapano sits down with Jim Lewis of the Center for Strategic and International Studies in Washington, D.C. to discuss the geopolitics of internet governance at the United Nations and Air National Telecommunication Union, as well as a look ahead to U.S. cyber policy in the next two years and the election for ITU Secretary General. Jim worked as a diplomat and a member of the Senior Executive Service and developed groundbreaking policies on encryption and cybersecurity. He has authored numerous publications on technology and digital issues and testified numerous times before Congress. Joe is a member of the fourth class of ILPF Fellows. He currently works on the Global Stakeholder Engagement Team at the Internet Corporation for Assigned Names and Numbers, or ICANN. Joe played a large role in the multi-stakeholder effort to transition the stewardship of the Internet Assigned Numbers Authority, sometimes referred to as the IANA transition, and has spent the last 10 years working on tech policy issues being discussed at the United Nations. Good afternoon, Jim. How are you? Good. How are you, Joe? Excellent. Thank you. Um, Jim and I have known each other for quite a while now, and this isn't the first time we've discussed these issues. However, I think we're in a unique environment in 2022, and I thought now would be a good opportunity to dig deep into everything that is going on. Um, And so, Jim, let's dive right in here. Um, Can you kind of set the geopolitical scene for us in 2022 with regards to Internet governance writ large, um, we know there are many deliberations and discussions happening at global bodies such as the United Nations and International Telecommunications Union. So if you could, for the listeners, what are the key groups people should be paying attention to and who are the key players? Yeah, it's it's a good year to be talking about this because uh, we're seeing stresses at a level we haven't seen before on Internet governance and the international system in general. You've basically got uh, two very powerful countries that have a different view of the world and a different view of how the uh, Internet uh, should be governed, uh, what the rules are. And, of course, they're um, interested in seeing a greater role given to sovereign control, less to the multi-stakeholder community. So I think that's the primary driver here is we are in a contest. it's not a military contest, and that puts the U.S. at a little bit of a disadvantage. But you've got people with a very different view of how the world should work. The Internet has become so crucial to that that it's become uh, an area where you have tremendous discussions, debates. Uh, what are some key places? Um, I follow the U.N. pretty closely, both the, the primary, the first committee, the second committee, ECOSOC. Uh, the ITU, uh, the Secretary General is doing a lot. He's created a, uh, a whole process of digital strategy. Uh, at some point, they'll get a tech envoy. Um, so the UN is one of the key players here. And that one uh, will see things with uh, uh, the IGF, 
uh, in partnership with them. Um, those are probably the places where most of this discussion will occur. You've got something called the program of action that are Western democracies. You've got a Russian proposal for a new cybercrime law. Uh, you have, of course, what they call the eternal GG, uh, OEWG. Eternal because it lasts five years, right? Uh, so, so you've got some good venues here for, uh, for discussion. Uh, IGF Plus, I think, will be one of the big departures. So that's a key one to watch. Yeah, and so for those that uh, might be unfamiliar, uh, IGF stands for the Internet Governance Forum, and uh, OEWG is the open-ended uh, working group uh, at the United Nations. This so, is go ahead. So this is Washington, so it has to be an acronym-rich environment. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <clears throat> so we're only a quarter of the way through the year. Uh, much has happened already. What progress or lack thereof has transpired since the beginning of, of 2022? You know, I think there's two things that uh, we need to um, pay attention to. The first is uh, it's been difficult for the UN and its high-level process, the Secretary General's digital strategy. It's been difficult for them to build up momentum. Uh, and some of that is because Governments aren't sure what they want the UN to actually do. Uh, you have um, some internal difficulties in how the UN organizes itself. Uh, so if there was a venue that was thinking about what should digital governance look like in the future, uh, that's probably the key one from an intergovernmental point of view. But it's, it's, it's been slower than we expected. The, the other thing, of course, is the Russian uh, invasion of Ukraine, um, which has just completely uh, undone international politics. Uh, the Russians had a whole uh, internet strategy um, that they were rolling out with the BRICS. Uh, the, the BRICS are uh, Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa, uh, countries that the Russians think will be good partners for them. They might still be good partners, but I think you're seeing a lot of people aren't so eager to jump into bed with the Russians as they were, say, two months ago. Um, so I think that means folks are taking a step back and saying, um, how does the calculations I made, say, a year ago, how have they changed because of what Russia has done? So those are the two things. Um, Secretary General's plans, uh, still a lot of possibility. It's got a longer timeline than you might think, but I think you have a, a very positive uh, development there. The Russians have complicated things. The Chinese are monkeying with this. They're experimenting. They, they were going to come up with an alternate uh, uh, internet. They were going to come up with an alternate uh, governance structure. And they, they know they want to do something. They're kind of unsure what direction to take. So another thing to watch is the ITU election and who gets that. I'll make a final point on this one. Um, don't assume it's us versus them. There's a huge group of countries in the middle uh, to whom some of what the authoritarian countries say is attractive, right? Um, people are a little unsure. There's a heritage of colonialism that really hampers the Europeans, uh, a lot of anger there. Um, you've got some distrust of the US, stoked in part by China and Russia. So this is, this is not just us versus them. It's not a bilateral contest. It's a political contest with many actors, some of whom remain undecided. 
Okay, yeah, that that's interesting. An interesting point. I feel like you know when you and I talk, you know, probably I don't know six seven years ago, there was this this you know kind of middle ground. These middle countries that were kind of moving maybe in the direction of you know a more uh, you know kind of multi-stakeholder less. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, kind of one nation, one vote type of uh, uh, proposals. Um, so now I think what I'm hearing you say is, is they may have moved back uh, more toward, um, you know, where the, where the Russians uh, may be. Um, but the war is, has obviously, you know, kind of changed the dynamic. So are, are these kind of, and again, I call them, you know, kind of middle countries, but if there's a better term for that, please, uh, you know, please kind of, um, you know, correct me. Uh, are they really just sitting back and waiting or is it, are they kind of more inclined in one direction or another? Well, I'd, in that category, I'd put Turkey, Indonesia, Brazil, uh, India. These aren't necessarily middle countries. They're big countries, right? They haven't quite figured out what their policy is. The Indians might be further along. The Brazilians are further along. There are others, you know, South Africa. So we have a whole set of global players that didn't exist when we started the whole Internet Governance Project. And their views have to be taken into account. Uh, A little difficult because they haven't quite figured out what their views are in all cases, right? One thing that also shapes this is the reaction to big tech. We came up with a governance structure at the end of the 20th century that's been remarkably successful, right? When you think of the things that have driven the growth of the internet as a central infrastructure for human life, uh, those policies, those governance structures were right. But uh, at the same time, there's a few big companies that clearly dominate the market and have perhaps not always been as... um, what's a good word here, not always been as uh, forthright as they might have been. So there is some global hostility in in regard to big tech. And I think that shapes people's views here. So you have have a whole debate over what's the role of human rights? Uh, What's the role of the rule of law? Um, What is the role of the multi-stakeholder community, right? And for the rest of the world, how does this all fit into development? So another thing to watch is the um, SDG. I can't remember what it's the Strategic Development Goals, Sustainable uh, Development Goals. Sustainable Development. Sustainable Development Goals. Uh, SDG 17 in particular, I think, is the one that affects us. But when the rest of the world thinks about this, um, top of the mind for them is development. And that's not always been top of the mind for either the Western countries or the big tech players. Excellent, excellent. And now, kind of on the other side, and I'm curious in terms of, I feel, you know, uh, since uh, the Biden administration has come into power, there's been kind of more of a focus on U.S.-Europe cooperation. Um, certainly, that has been put into overdrive given the war. Um, can you talk a little bit about? the relationship on both sides of the Atlantic and how they are approaching these issues? 
there are tensions within Europe that mean there are tensions in the transatlantic relationship. And the key one comes up over and over again. You hear them talking about digital sovereignty, tech sovereignty. Uh, you hear people talking about European values. And I usually ask them, well, how are European values different from universal values or transatlantic values? And I say, oh, they aren't, they aren't. But the fact that they're thinking in those terms, um, Europe has a real dilemma, which is it, it hasn't kept up. I mean, people used to talk about China displacing the U.S. That isn't happening, but China is displacing Europe, right? And uh, President Macron, he's still president, uh, actually said, well, we're moving to a world where it will be centered around the U.S. and China, and Europe will be on the periphery. That's a bit gloomy. I don't think that's right. It's not in our interest. Uh, we need a strong Europe to defend democracy and the rule of law. And so the Biden administration has correctly, I think, decided to pursue cooperation with key allies, Europe, Australia, Japan. Uh, they're trying to get India in that club. That's sort of the diplomatic initiative here. And the Europeans have some choices to make. Uh, they decided some time ago that um, they would become a regulatory superpower because they weren't going to be a military superpower. They weren't going to be a uh, economic superpower. I think that was a little bit of a mistake, but it creates a tension because the Europeans create rules and then expect the rest of the world uh, to, um, to observe them. Um, if I can be a little inflammatory, uh, Go right ahead. <laughs> that would be, you could call that regulatory colonialism. And I think that so far hasn't been a problem, but uh, building stronger relations with Europeans, building a stronger Europe, helping to build that is clearly in the U.S. interest. But there's some internal tensions that we need to work out. The good news is that Europeans are pretty much where we are uh, when it comes to multi-stakeholder governance, when it comes to the values and norms that guide Internet governance. So there's a basis for partnership based on those shared values that I think will ultimately lead us to the right place. Great, great. Um, sticking with the US, what, I'd like to get your thoughts. Um, earlier uh, in the year, we had uh, the, I believe it was called the Summit for Democracy. And mm -hmm. within that, um, there was some tech policy topics talked about. There was this, um, I believe it's called the Alliance for the Future of the Internet. Um, or something along those lines. I was wondering if you could just comment on that. You know, how do you see that playing into, you know, U.S. strategy or, you know, the, the geopolitical uh, dynamic itself? Um, you know, where do you see that going? Uh, and just any general thoughts you had on that kind of initiative? I, the, it's, it's funny because uh, someone I know in the Chinese government actually called me up and said, hey, is this is this alliance for the future of the internet? Is it serious? Should we take it seriously? <laughs> and um, I said, no, right? Uh, no for this particular initiative, but yes for the general direction of policy, right? So a lot of times democratic administrations tend to get a lot of academics. The academics aren't quite used to the realities of governing. And so having a seminar and writing a term paper is not the same as getting agreement. That's a problem for this administration because it will take two or three years to get any new agreement on internet governance. 
which means they're coming right up on the window of when they can launch something. I think though that the Alliance for the Future of the Internet is a good indicator of both the, the direction the US would like to go, the values that will shape the direction the US would like to go, and the recognition that's really happened since this administration, thankfully, uh, came into office, really a recognition that this has become a, a crucial shaping point. What I've said to people at State and the White House is um, internet governance, tech governance, digital governance will be the issue of the international issue of the next few years. And so we need to have, uh, we need to have policies uh, IFA, Internet Future Alliance, that could be one of them. Um, figuring out a way, though, to work it into a, a, a message that's more appealing. And this has been a problem, I think, for the multi-stakeholder company, con uh, multi-stakeholder model for a long time, right? Um, the things you say to the developing countries, to the new powers, they have to have a bigger economic role. They have to be more re respectful of their cultural traditions. Uh, they have to focus on development. So we have some work to do to come up with a message, but the Biden administration has been good at saying the direction that we should, we will be going as a country and the direction that's best for the world to go as as, as a international society. Excellent, excellent. Um, in addition to the, the alliance and the other things we, we had just talked about. There's also a new cyber bureau at the State Department. Um, now obviously, <clears throat> you know, in the uh, previous administration, the State Department looked a lot different. Um, so now, you know, how do you see this this new bureau? I guess reengaging might be the might be the best. Um, uh, term on a on a host of tech policy issues, not only um, you know with uh, with U.S. Uh, engagement, you know, at the international bodies. How do you how do you see this this bureau, you know, kind of working? What what do you expect from them? And maybe even what would you like to see from them? So it's it's more than a cyber bureau, and I think that's a really positive sign. You've got the old cyber shop that Chris Painter used to run. Uh, to that, they've tagged the parts of the Economic Bureau that did uh, spectrum management, internet governance, the things that Rob Strayer used to run. And they've added in uh, people from uh, the human rights part of the State Department to look at freedom of speech rights. So it's a very broad portfolio and uh, it's ambitious. And I think that it's a good sign that State uh, has done this. It's taken a bit longer than uh, anyone would have hoped. Uh, why that is, I don't know. I mean, some of it's probably working with the Hill, but it's states moving in the right direction. Now they have a big, big uh, task in front of them, which is that, uh, and just as an aside, I don't know what you get, but when I talk to Europeans, eventually I get the question, is Trump coming back, right? <laughs> uh, so we're, we're still recovering in some ways. And this bureau can help with that recovery, but they've got to sketch out a positive agenda that goes beyond cybersecurity, that looks at digital governance, and that takes into account the interests of more than Europe and Japan. Excellent, excellent. Um, 
and then kind of moving, sticking somewhat with uh, with with the U.S., but also moving more toward um, these international institutions that we both um, you know uh, know about. Uh, there, the election for the ITU Secretary General in the fall. So, somewhat ironically, right, that we have uh, a candidate from the United States. We also have a candidate from Russia. Um, first question is, what what effects will that election have on what happens at the ITU? Because I th- I think a lot of people don't really understand what the secretary general of the ITU does. Um, so maybe you could shed a little bit of light on that. And then, and then we can move more toward the, uh, you know, the dynamic now with the war, uh, how does that affect, you know, kind of the election itself? The U.S. ignored the ITU for, for years. It's not just the last administration, but probably the two administrations before it. So it's had, uh, uh, a graduate of Moscow State University as the director general, and then uh, a, a Chinese individual. Um, great people, I, I met them both, but um, definitely coming from a different place. So that this administration has done a good job figuring out that we need to take the ITU more seriously. Right? We need to have a bigger presence. And all of us remember some of the struggles in the uh, in uh, previous meetings over governance and over the work and the whole thing. So we'll see who wins. It would be a shock if the Russian won. That would be a really bad sign. Uh, But it's not a done deal for the American. Uh, So it would be good to get her experienced, knowledgeable uh, ITU official and diplomat. So uh, that would be great. But beyond that, we need to think of the general question. um, What is the role of the ITU? under the previous incumbents and encouraged by Russia and China, uh, their position was ah, this multi-stakeholder thing. It's amateur, it's, it's, it's haphazard, it's, it's, it's out of date. Um, we need to replace it with a state-centric view of internet governance. And the ITU should be the place that governs the internet the same way it governs dial telephones, right? And honestly, that message has a little bit of a draw uh, in the rest of the world. So I think that's the main point for us is where does the ITU fit into internet governance? What's the alternate model? And I would say it would be the IGF is the alternate model or IGF plus. And how do we make sure that uh, other countries agree with us? So this will be one of the debate points for the next year or so, even after the election. Great, great. And 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 going back, uh, can you kind of give us an idea of what the ITU Secretary General role actually is? Like how, like what, what is the function? What, uh, why is it important? Because I don't think people have a grasp of the role. So the ITU has been around. I think it started out as the International Te- uh, Telegraphy Union. Yeah, yeah, been around a long time. <laughs> And it was, it predates the UN, but it became a UN body. Uh, and it sets the rules for global communications, right? Um, it's focused on moving beyond uh, telegraphs uh, to, to phones, to satellites, to spectrum. And those are crucial roles, the ability of uh, the world to manage spectrum allocations in the ways that don't conflict. 
to come up with common rules that allow telephone connections to interconnect, uh, to allocate uh, assignments in space for communications, radios, uh, telecommunication satellites. Um, those are uh, critical roles. And people say, um, well, you know, so they set the rules, they create the architecture for telecommunications. Doesn't that include the internet? And the answer is I expect most of your audience knows is no, this is a very different architecture. Uh, it's decentralized, it's um, global. It relies on different protocols and different technologies. Not so much anymore, but certainly different protocols. But there's this strong tendency to say <clears throat> the ITU's role should expand to include internet governance. Uh, Russia, China, others like that because then it would be the governments making the decision, not the multi-stakeholder community, right? So that's, I think, the primary tension. Um, we haven't done as much to persuade the world that you don't need the ITU to be running the internet. Uh, some of that is, you have to admit, from the outside, the multi-stakeholder model looks a little messy. Um, what I usually say to people is, yeah, it's a mess, but it's worked really well. And why would you move, why break it if it's not, doesn't need fixed, um, but that's not entirely persuasive. So I think that's, the ITU is the rule setter for spectrum, for telecom, for communications in space. And there's this question that comes up repeatedly, shouldn't they also be the rule setter for the internet? So that's where we're gonna to have to make a stronger case. Excellent, excellent. So in the fall, in addition to the election, we have the uh, plenipotentiary meeting. Uh, which is every four years. Um, and so what uh, what's at stake in that meeting? you know what's what's on the on the table there? Uh, affectionately known as the plenty pot. Uh, so not an acronym, but uh, another inside uh, <laughs> right. I think I think the dynamics have changed a little bit. Prior to Ukraine, I think the Russians would have made a much stronger push uh, for, increasing the ITU's role, uh, role in governance. Um, now I think that's a little more on the table. Everyone is saying, so there's, there's general agreement that uh, we need to figure out how digital governance works, that we depend on this thing. Um, people aren't comfortable with the unregulated sort of anarchic approach that has worked really well for growth, but there's a discomfort for that. So I think the issue on the table is um, what do we do moving ahead on uh, tech governance, on internet governance? Um, how far they'll get? This comes up every time. Uh, usually it involves last minute saves uh, by the US and its friends. But I think that's the big, for me, that's the issue that I'm most interested in. Great. Um, and so we've, we've talked a lot about governments um, and rightfully so. How are other organizations getting involved to the extent they can? Um, you know, civil society, uh, private sector, um, you know, academics, technologists. Um, can can you give us a sense of 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 how other actors are are working within this uh, framework? Sure. Uh... And this is why I keep coming back to the Internet Governance Forum, the IGF, because I think they're the main focal point. 
for the, the if you've been to the IGF meeting, you know, it's sort of a gathering of the tribes and you've right. got civil society and governments and uh, companies. So that's, that's really the alternative. It, figuring out what their role when they grow up should be. And the secretary general is putting, I think, a lot of emphasis on the IGF+. Plus. Um, some people in the UN aren't entirely comfortable with the, the, the smaller role that governments have been given. You know, maybe they aren't there anymore, but um, you know, I think figuring out what the IGF does moving forward, it can't be the IGF of the past. Civil society uh, has a problem, and the problem is that, that the Chinese and the Russians would like it to go away, right? And they have shut it out of the OEWG, and there's this awkward mechanism where there's side meetings where they're allowed to speak. They, they don't get to address the whole group. Figuring out where civil society fits in, I think, is one of the tasks for us, and how to make better use of them. For democracies, there is no alternative to the involvement of the multi-stakeholder community in civil society. And so it's something we're going to have to defend. Uh, private sector, um, they're more interested in a stable environment. And they have supported the multi-stakeholder model, the civil society model. Um, I think that's a positive. When you think of the big companies, they're on board with this. I haven't said the word ICANN yet, the Internet Corporation for Signing Names and Numbers. ICANN's, the profile of ICANN as an issue has gone way down uh, since the link to the U.S. government was severed. Um, and that means when you talk to people from other countries, they think they, it's not the issue it was, even though every once in a while some of our, our opponents try and bring it back up. You know, all the Russians said it was hilarious that... Um, that everything was located in the United States. I was like, that's not true. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that's, for me, that's the issue moving forward is how do we come up with a, a new multi-stakeholder model, maybe a little more role for government, a crucial role for civil society, and how do we connect it to actual policy? Uh, could be a role for the UN, most likely something in the Secretary General's portfolio, uh, maybe an ECOSOC. ECOSOC is the second committee, stands for Economic and Social Affairs. Uh, we, are, we are moving towards some revamping of internet governance. Where are, so we mentioned the, the you know, private sector, civil society, et cetera. Where are technologists in all this? Where, you know, engineers, network operators, you know, they have the base of knowledge and keep things functioning. Where, where do they fit into this picture? Well, you, 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 that was a red herring. You know, you know my answer to that. And that's, these are political issues, right? They're diplomatic issues. Sure, you need to know the technology, but technologists have no greater legitimacy than any of the other actors involved, right? And so it's, it's, and it's, it's hard because when this thing started out, um, IETF, the Internet Engineering Task Force, they pretty much made the decisions, right? And that's worked out really well, but it's not a good way to deal with some of these political issues that we're facing. So important role for the technologists, but not a central role and certainly not the only role. Um, that's been one of the changes. State is State's new bureau is a sign of that. 
countries around the world now are beginning to come up with digital strategies, digital strategies with tech envoys. With it's part of governance now, um, much more than technology. So important to have that technological base of understanding, but this is a political issue. Sure, absolutely. Um, all right. So if you had to look into your crystal ball for you know, post planet plan potentiary, you know, 2023, um, and, and beyond where, where, where do you think we're at, uh, you know, a year from now? Well, the, the normal, the safest answer is to say that, uh, someone was telling me the other day that the, the motto for internet governance should be stumbling forward. Right. And it's not, a, not, a, not a bad one, but I think the other thing is, as you know, having seen many plenty pots, uh, a lot of times the solution is kick the can, right? So these are tough issues. Let's just move it down the road a little bit. So my bet is we won't have resolved any of these things, uh, but that we'll have hopefully beaten off the efforts for a new internet governance system that will have uh, won the election in the ITU and that we'll have the start in the IGF and the IGF plus of a revamped model of internet governance. That's more than the plenty pot, but I think those are the those are the things that are going on that we should watch. Great, great. And uh, in terms of just, you know, uh, we the, as the uh, the class of fellows uh, for the foundry come from, you know, all different professional backgrounds. Uh, and of course, there are, you know, thousands among thousands of tech policy professionals out there that are following the same issues. What is the best way for for people to stay engaged on these issues? So that's a tough one. Uh, I was thinking about that because it's it's a new portfolio. Uh, the media covers it sort of haphazardly. You've got to look at the quartzes and the wires and the boxes and others. I just don't mean those are the ones that come to mind. Sure. The new media uh, will cover this more. You have to pay attention to the UN, uh, which puts out a lot of material that you'll have to wade through, including the ITU. Um, I think those are the, you have to look at some of the civil society organizations that track this. A lot of times they have a particular agenda, but that's what I'd say is new media, UN, civil society, uh, track them and develop your own list of things to watch and people to follow. Um, that would be the best way to do this. Great, great, excellent. Well, um, thank you for your time, Jim. I really appreciate it. This has been a fascinating conversation. Um, there's so much to look forward to uh, this year and so much to follow. So I really appreciate your uh, expertise and insights. And um, we will be speaking to you later in the year, I'm sure, to get an update on all this stuff. Thanks, Joe. It's going to be a busy couple of years, so we'll have plenty to talk about. All right. Thanks, Jim. Thanks a lot. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Tech Policy Grind podcast. Be sure to check out the Internet Law and Policy Foundry on LinkedIn and Twitter. And if you enjoyed this episode, give us a five-star rating. It really helps out the show. The Tech Policy Grind podcast comes out every other Thursday. See you next time.